I'm Kimberly Amici. Welcome to the Build Your Best Family podcast. This is a practical show to help you imagine, plan, and build your best family. We believe that the secret to having a happy family is not being perfect, but having purpose. Each week, I'll be sharing with you lessons I've learned and conversations I've had that will help you become who you want to be together. I'm a sucker for any resource, guide, course, or book that gives me steps. So when I heard about Brent Crow's new book, 10 Steps to Your Best Life, I knew I wanted to read it. Much to my surprise, it's not your typical self-help book, but rather a reminder of how we can best live each day by applying basic principles that are laid out in scripture. It includes practical ways that we can draw closer to God and establish healthy rhythms in our life. I love how throughout the book, and even in our conversation, Brent emphasized the importance of not just going through each day trying to survive, but instead being intentional about every moment of your life. Brent is a thought-provoking visionary and communicator who has a passion to present the life-changing message of the gospel. He loves to engage in issues such as leadership, culture, and change. He is currently serving as the vice president with Student Leadership University in Orlando, Florida, and is married to Christina and has six kids. I am so excited for you to meet him. But I'm also excited to tell you about a resource that I created called the Family Retreat Packet. I created it about six years ago when I wanted to get feedback from my kids about how my husband and I were doing as parents. I wanted to know what they thought of our family and each other. I wanted feedback on how I could be a better mom, so I created a family version of a 360 peer review and planned a weekend full of fun and activities. The result was better than I expected. It was an incredible time of memory making and great conversations that brought up ways that we could improve and grow together as a family. Beginning at a young age, kids can tell you what they like most about your family, what they like least, and what they need from you to feel loved. In fact, I think you will be amazed by their answers. This packet takes the guesswork out of planning a family retreat and includes a packing list, sample activities, and discussion sheets. To get your copy, go to buildyourbestfamily.com forward slash resources. Now to my conversation with Brent. Brent, welcome to the podcast. It is so fantastic to have you here today. Oh, thank you so much, Kimberly. It's such a such an honor. Thank you. So a question that we ask all of our guests is what is your family known for? Well, um, you know, our family has been through quite a bit of transition over the last couple of years. And I think that's kind of right now what we're known for. We uh, had three we had three kids going into the pandemic and then the Lord blessed us with three, three amazing, beautiful kids, uh, literally about a month and a half, two months into the pandemic. Wow. And uh, we we adopted three kids in a month and our family went from from a family of five to a family of eight. And so I think we're probably known for chaos right now. Chaos would be the best <laughs> word to describe what's going on. So, oh my no, but it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Yeah. So when I come to your house, what can I expect? Well, you live in New Jersey and I don't know when this is going to air, but it's still <laughs> worth saying. You're going to expect 80 and sunny and that's a normal day. <laughs> no, but when you come to our house, we do a lot of... Um, our, you know, we, I don't know if you've, you know, ever dealt with, you know, being around the, in the city and being around a ton of people and, you know, wanting a, a little bit more room, if you will. We bought 
my wife and I bought our home years ago and in, in right in the hub heart of Orlando. And as our family grew, we just kept toying around with the idea of what would it look like just to kind of pull the pin on the grenade and move yeah. out to the country? We're not country people, but what would that look like? And uh, I married a, a very strong-willed uh, Italian woman who could take the bull by the horns and it's perfect. Like, it's, <laughs> like some stereotypes are true. And this, if, if uh, Italians will tell you, yes, we're, we're, we're lovers and we're fighters. That's who we are. And so um, they, uh, so anyway, she, she found this property and bought, we live on 10 acres, mm-hmm. uh, out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, we're hobby farmers now. I don't know what that means. <laughs> That's what so we have a bunch of cows and chickens and, oh, uh, wow. and so when you come to our house, you can probably expect, uh, a little bit of a farm-like, uh, atmosphere, mm-hmm. um, a lot of home cooked meals, uh, a lot of playing outside and, getting dirty and fishing and, you know, climbing trees and all those fun things kids do and, and some beautiful sunsets. And if you're lucky, if you look straight down my backyard, you can see, you get, you hit SpaceX. So we see every launch, every space. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a little bit of what you could expect if you come to our house. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. All right. So your book is called The 10 Steps to Your Best Life. And so I want you to talk about what that title means. I am, a, I love steps, I love anything that's practical, but when you dig into your book, it is so much more than that. So tell us a little bit about that. Yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Uh, well, you know, the, uh, to be quite honest with you, the phrase <laughs> best life gave me a little pause. That yeah. actually, I got to give credit where credit's due, B&H, my, my publisher, uh, wanted to use that title in mm-hmm. uh, in the book, and I I probably said things that that other people would say like I don't know if it, like that title's kind of been used by or part of that's been used that phrase has been used it's tossed around culture left and right yeah. which they said exactly exactly but we're we, build we, your best family like <laughs> we, yeah yeah we need to redefine what best life really really yeah. means. Yeah. Um, so what what I what I did is I took the question to scripture and really to the teachings of Jesus. What um, what does it look like either to go through or emerge from this crazy season that we're in with a paradigm of living that is better than what we had prior to this season? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Jesus, uh, it's amazing. And I, I think it's, it's, it speaks to the fact that the word is alive and active and, but the, the words of Jesus are always relevant. So it almost felt like it was customed for the words of Jesus were customized just for this season we're going through. Yeah. And so I just simply took the question, uh, because I'm a big believer that you can take all your questions to the Bible and, and, and lay them down at the feet of Jesus and, and wrestle through them. And, and I was able to extract a paradigm for how we should, how we should live in times like this. Yeah. Um, that was very helpful for me personally. Yeah. And these aren't just like 10 sort of self-improvement guru type yeah. steps. These are, these are steps that constantly point us back to Jesus and back to the word of God and back to like more deeply rooted like answers and steps and process. Yeah, th- th- this is uh, an anti-self-help book. Yes. <laughs> this yeah, is a book sure. about how the Savior can help. And yeah. uh, so it's, yeah, it, it very much could 
be misconstrued as false advertising if the, your, <laughs> you, your understanding of your best life is something else. Yeah. Because it is very much how Jesus actually has made a way for us during times like this. So in your introduction, you talk about blue tarps. Can you explain a little bit more about this illustration? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Well, you know, I live in I live in central Florida uh, and basically the state of Florida is a big, you know, long peninsula of land that just sticks out in the middle of the ocean, which positions us to receive quite a few storms. So storm season here is real. You know, where you live, ice and snow is real. Yeah. Uh, where we live, we buy generators for different reason. We're, it's a different time <laughs> of year. It's not, it's not cold. It's hot and humid and the power goes out and uh, so hurricane season's a real thing. And I remember years ago, I can't remember how many, it was probably 12, 13 years ago, we had four storms in six weeks hit central Florida. And we didn't realize we were going to get four. So we did what we always do. After the first one, you, you, you know, you cut down limbs that are hanging and you clean up the debris and you put it on the, then another storm came through and another storm came through. We kept cleaning up and cleaning up. What happened was, the majority of the damage in our city uh, uh, was caused not by the storm, but by the debris that mm. was flying around hitting houses. And, you know, you're just like, oh, gosh, when it happens, why, why didn't we think better? Um, <laughs> come up with a better solution. But, you know, the truth is we all had to end up putting these blue tarps on our house uh, mm. because there was so much roof damage. Um, and the re- and, and I, you'd, I spent a lot of time in airplanes, so I would fly in for the next year to year and a half. And our city was nothing but a sea of blue tarps. Um, and, you know, I, I, as I lived in that sea of blue tarps for some time, uh, you know, it really dawned on me that this, that a blue tarp is a temporary, you know, solution to a permanent problem. Yeah. And if we're not careful in our lives, when, as we go through this, season and whatever you think about the pandemic the one thing we all agree on whether you think it's real or not real or this is real or that's not real or don't do this or do this or this politician or that politician i don't really I'm, i don't get into all of that i i just know it's disrupted all of our lives mm-hmm. it's thrown all of us a curveball mm-hmm. and we're all trying to deal with it in different ways but the the reality is if we're not careful we can settle into some unhealthy habits and say no 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 this is normal now or reacting this way is normal or living this way. Is, and it's very mm-hmm. stressful. And it's a, and what we're doing is we're just putting band-aids mm-hmm. on some very real problems that aren't going to go away by living underneath a blue tarp. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this book is an invitation to let's go ahead and pull that off, <laughs> pull that blue tarp off. And the Lord actually has um, a permanent solution to the challenges that we're facing right here, right mm-hmm. now in this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good. I love the idea of getting to the root, you know, not just putting band-aids on things because you, you know, that's a short-term strategy that that will eventually fall apart. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. yeah. So you say that the steps in your book build on each other and they're not meant to be taken out of order first. So I'd love for you to tell me a little bit more about why that is and why the sequence is necessary. Yes. Um, well, the sequence is necessary. And this is I'm just going to give this gives the end of the book away, but that's OK. Um, the secret is the sequence secret, the sequence, <laughs> necessary, uh, because it's Jesus teaching on the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. So, so the paradigm has a scope and sequence in which 
it's not my idea to go. This step should come first. That was God's idea way back when. And so we just wanted to be consistent with this paradigm mm-hmm. that doesn't just exist way a long time ago. It's a paradigm that has been reinforced, that was, that was given and then ha- was reinforced all throughout scripture. Mm-hmm. And my goodness, Jesus taught on nine of the 10 commandments. He's reinforcing this paradigm for living. Yeah. And so, but what Jesus does for us is he goes, Hey, it's a very different world than couple, you know, thousands of years ago when these commandments were written. So he interprets those commandments and applies those commandments for their season of living. And by the way, what was their season of living? They were living underneath the boot of the Roman Empire. They were living under threat of violence. They were living under threat of polarization and divide. They were living under threat of you have no control, no no autonomy over your people. They were living under a threat of if you don't pay the right amount of taxes, we can just simply wipe all of you guys out. They were living under a lot of pressure. They were going through a pandemic of their own. And what does Jesus do? One of the things he does is he... he takes this, this paradigm of what, how God wants us to always live, and he goes, hey, let me apply that to your life. So the order was God's idea, and, and we're just trying to not improve on it, but to apply it to the, uh, to, the, to the time in which we're this crazy whatever thing we're living in right now. Yeah, I got to the end of the book, and I realized, I thought to myself, I can't believe I didn't see this. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Hey, you know what? That means I wrote it right. <laughs> yeah, but then I did go back, and I was like, oh, this makes lots of sense. Okay, so we don't have an... Um... That, that right there is the best compliment <laughs> that I, it, I you have anybody could give me. Thank you, Kimberly. That that was amazing. Oh, I'm going to write sky high on that all yeah. day. <laughs> So um, we don't really have time to talk about each of those steps, but I would love for you to give our listeners an idea of what some of those steps are. And then we'll dig into one in a little bit. Yeah. Well, you know, they're really there. Um, they st- well, we got to begin with God. Right. Um, and so we talk about um, how we have to have this rhythm of always living in the beginning place. It's amazing to me. God invites us to live in the beginning place. Um, we're made new creations, but we never become old creations in Christ. I love that idea. Uh, we're never old because his mercies are always new. So we begin at the beginning with God, but then we deal with very, very practical. I say we, the Bible deals with these very, very, pra- it's amazing how practical the scriptures are. One of the things I discovered through this research was that most of what Jesus said were words of application. 90% of what Jesus said were words of application. Over half of what the Apostle Paul, the great theologian said, words of application. So the, they're very, very practical, uh, you know, steps that, so we, you know, we deal with our, our image and our words and our rest and our relationships and our attitude and, and really our worth, sanctity of human life, if you will, respect for others, how do you honor um, integrity and uh, how do you have contentment? Um, and the chapter that hit me the hardest was rest. Was rest. Um, I uh, I I did not. Uh, you know, I spent. You know, I, I when I write a book, I have about five phases I go through uh, that I've mapped out to try to make sure I do it well, and I've hit it from every angle and researched it as much as humanly possible. And the one that that jumped that was the most enjoyable research, but also the most kind of convicting was like this idea of rest. Um, and there's this, these five, 
rest cycles. There's these, or there's one rest cycle, but there's these five types of rest that create a rest cycle in our life. And I'm going, wow, I'm missing a couple of these. And I thought I was, I thought I was doing this right. And I thought, and you know, there was an invitation uh, to, Hey, let's get in a boat and go to the lonely place and just sit for a while. And I, I don't know about you, Kimberly, I'm, I'm prone to hustle, right? Like I just, let me hustle. Let me work my way through it. There's a problem. Let me work my way through it. Let me get a whiteboard and get the team around the table. And, you know, or we got an issue. Let me get, if we need some, our organizations down a little financially, let me go run out and I'll do 20 things and hustle. And, but hustle, right. It seems to be the mint. And, you know, I, in the midst of, of the craziness, uh, if there is this invitation to go, mm, you know, maybe you trying harder isn't always the solution. Um, and if you follow my paradigm, there's, I felt like the Lord was really teaching me, you know, you follow my way. It may feel countercultural to your way, but I promise you the end result is beautiful. Yeah. For a long time, I felt if I was resting or if I had too much time that I was doing something wrong, you know, and it didn't. And then, and then I became a mom and then I felt like I didn't have a choice. I had to yeah. always be working. right. Um, but it did take time for me. And for me, it was working with a coach to say, hey, well, when are you scheduling time for you? When are you reading a book? When are you going for a walk? And I'm like, what do you mean? Um, and I knew that that was a thing. Early on, I would encourage my husband to, because he was always caught up in this. I don't have a choice. We can't take a break. You can take a break. Tell me when you need a break. I'll take the kids to the library. I, we were always tr- like talking about it, but it just felt like we couldn't possibly do that. Do, you know what I mean? That wasn't the right yeah. thing to do. Maybe we weren't doing enough if we were doing that. Um, and then when my coach years later was like, um, no, that's a thing. Like you have to schedule rest and you have to be intentional with it. And it was, it was very eye-opening for me. And then my journey with rest was deciding what day to take a Sabbath. I eventually mm. took it on Fridays when my kids were in school, which felt like, you know, can't possibly do that. But as a mom, I'm still momming on Saturday and Sunday. So even if you yeah. call it the Sabbath, oh, yeah. I'm still like getting ready for the week, driving the kids to every sport they need to go to. But I had to spend a few weeks. And I think you talk a little bit about this in the book. I had to spend weeks figuring out what I actually liked. Right. Because I had no idea. Yeah. I thought, you know, maybe I should lay around all day and read a book. And, and I was like, no, I don't like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going go to go to the coffee shop and I'm going to do some things that I don't normally have time to do, surf the right. internet, and then ru- run into people and chit chat. Yeah. And linger yep. and not rush out. And even going to the store for me became joyful because I could take my time yep. and I wasn't on an errand. I was just shopping. Little yep. things started for me to realize, oh, wow, this is really enjoyable for me. Yeah, but Kimberly, you said something that was so important and I, it, it's important for for all of us, but it's, it started with you reaching out for help to a coach. Mm-hmm. You know, when if, the, the willingness to reach out and ask a coach to help or a counselor. Mm-hmm. It is is a sign of health, not sickness. Yeah, and 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 that's we we have this mentality. I think a lot of times that reaching out for that help means it's a cry for help because we're so broken and we're so sick, as opposed to maybe we just want to make sure we have healthy paradigms in our life. Mm-hmm. And I, I I I you know I'm married. My wife's a counselor, and I I have always looked at it from afar. Um, but when I realized it was something that wasn't just for the broken people out here, but the broken person right here. And by the way, not just because I'm broken, but because I also want to stay healthy in the areas I am healthy. 
Boy, that's a that's a paradigm shift that that pays off dividends throughout one's life. So I I think you hit on something that was not discussed enough. To be mm-hmm. quite honest, yeah. So let's talk about creating a rhythm of renewal. Okay. Um, that's the first step in your book, and um, I love that because I I I almost thought this would be like further on in the book. So yes, just ma'am. maybe we go a little deeper into that, and then uh, yeah. Just to give our, our our listeners a sneak peek of what they can do. Yeah, about. yeah, yeah. Well, um, there is, you know, rhythms have to be, you said this earlier a little bit, rhythms have to be established. Mm-hmm. And if they're and if you don't plan for it, then it's not a priority to you. Um, and it's amazing to me. We we uh as followers of Jesus, we want to we we go, okay, you know, I'm redeemed. Now it's time to run, right? But there has to be this this intentional plan to to live um, filled up with the things of God, if you will, uh, full of the Holy Spirit, full of um, um, sat, our, my life saturated with the principles of God and the word of God and all that. So I want to live full of Jesus. And, and if I don't have a plan for that, it's not going to just automatically happen mm-hmm. um, because God really has invited us to live in the beginning places. Uh, in fact, it's, it's amazing. I, I, this is kind of philosophical, but this is the big idea of this chapter. You know, the Bible could be understood in four plot movements, as we all know. Uh, It's a big story. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Okay, God created the world, and then one day he's going to restore and make all things new. What, What is he restoring it unto? What it once was. And so everybody wants to know what heaven looks like. Uh, if you want to know what the end of the story looks like, look at the beginning of the story. The end of the story is going to look a lot like the beginning of the story. And my goodness, that's exciting, right? And so when you understand that perspective, you understand, oh, wow, God's inviting me to live in the beginning place because that's the destination. Like when it's all made new, we're going back. It's almost like there's a new heavens and a new earth. We're going back to the beginning. And we're going to live there forevermore as things, as it should be, you know, type thing. And so how do you create a rhythm in your life to to live that way? And I know this is going to sound so cliche, Kimberly, what I'm about to say, but I really do believe it begins with choosing love, but the right kind of love. It begins with choosing God's kind of love, agape love. Um, If you were to walk into our house and ask my kids, what's the first thing you're supposed to do every day? They're all going to say the same thing by now. I mean, you know, and that is uh, all six of them will go choose love. And so when something doesn't go wrong or excuse me, when something goes wrong in our house, somebody's having a bad day, somebody's being mean to somebody. Some, the, the question that my wife and I ask, because because agape love gives you a great ethic for living and living in the beginning place. And if something goes wrong, we always go, did you choose love? Because we want them to always go back to God's kind of love. We want them to always go back to what God can accomplish in their life. When I choose, when I'm responding to God, I can respond to others well. So that rhythm ha- begins by by choosing love. I mean, it's a, like God literally puts on a light show every morning with the sunrise to remind us to choose love. His mercies are new and great is His faithfulness. And so there is this, we don't need to set a reminder on our phone. We don't, we don't need to go out and buy some pan, painting at whatever, whatever store, a little, 
little niche boutique store to help us. No, no, no. Like God puts on a giant light show every day that just basically screams to us, hey, I'm here. I'm faithful. And guess what? My mercies are new. You're new. Choose love. And uh, so I think kind of that big idea is we live, want to strive to live in the beginning places because that's the goal. I mean, that's where we're going to end up. That's what heaven's like. And then number two, if we're going to create that rhythm, it's going to begin with, it's going to give, begin with, uh, 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 you know, choosing God's love. And then I think we got to have a very practical plan for daily renewal. And that can be, Kimberly is cussed and you know this better than I do. It's so customized, you know, and uh, there's eight of us in our home. Um, and my, my two youngest kids have follow a same plan for daily renewal. They, my two middle school girls uh, follow uh, each a different plan. They have their own because we let them customize. And my two high schoolers actually are going through the same material as well, but they, they have some material they go through or they're trying to read through a book of the Bible. There, ha- there's certain questions that we give them to wrestle through. Um, my, my wife lets them choose everything that, that what they want to do. And we homeschool our kids because we live so far out in the country that it would, t- it, it, you know, that uh, if you go to school, probably won't see you again until the end of the week. Uh, but she gets everybody in the den every morning. She, she tells, all right, spread out in the house. It's our, you got to work that plan for renewal. Get, get, it, get in the Bible and pray what your plan that you've come up with. And she turns on music, some classical music, just to kind of drown out whatever extra noise may happen. And they know when the music goes off, everybody comes in the den. And so our day starts every day. And if I'm home, I like to be there. But, you know, if I'm on the road, obviously I'm not. But and there's this, one of the most beautiful sights I've ever seen is walking out in the morning and seeing my wife and our six kids in a circle on the floor. And they're going around learning from each other about, well, okay, how are you renewing yourself? How are you? And, and then they pray for each other. And they know, so it's not just like when you let people choose how to renew and how to have a plan for renewal, then you get to learn from their experiences. And it's a beautiful thing because it's supposed to be a communal thing. And uh, so that's a little, maybe I hope that wasn't too much, Kimberly, but that's a little a little bit more uh, um, kind of of what that chapter is about. Yeah, and I love the, the idea of customization. I think oftentimes we try to make our family fit a mold or mimic what our friends are doing, what our neighbors are doing, or even our friends in our church are doing, and that doesn't always work. And I love this idea of customizing it and creating a rhythm. Rhythms are so important because these one-off sort of proclamations of what we believe do do nothing for us unless Mm -hmm. we are continuing on a regular basis to make them a part of our life. Mm, That's right. That's great. You don't plan for it. Um, it, it, it's not that it's not that it just doesn't happen. It has a diverse effect on your life. Yeah. Right. The expression is, um, fail to plan, plan to fail. Benjamin Franklin. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so how do you see this book helping people persevere and live well in difficult times of transition? C.S. Lewis, uh, um, are you allowed to do anything Christian nowadays without quoting him at least once? I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, C.S. Lewis um, said that more often people need to be reminded than they need to be instructed. 
Mm. Um, there's, there's no arrogance in this, hopefully prayerfully, I should say that there's no arrogance in this project. Um, the idea of this project is to remind believers of what they already know and maybe have forgotten and to discover what, if you, you, you put it there, what, you know, you may know it in kind of a scattered, maybe even schizophrenic way where some of it's over here, some of it's over there and you live some someday and this, the other day, but no, 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 no. It actually all comes together into a plan, uh, a paradigm of living, if you will, that is, that helps us pilgrimage or wander well towards the heaven country. See, my, my, if the book of Paul has a great phrase in the book of Philippians to shine like stars in the world, where there are no stars in the world. That's a foreign element in, in earth, but he's going, that's who you are. Shine like that, illuminate the world with something heavenly. Um, but you don't belong here. In other words, you're on this pilgrimage, you're on a journey. And so my hope is that this book would just simply help people to discover a freedom in this paradigm of living and be able to wander well uh, towards the heaven country. That's the hope. Oh, I like that. Wander instead of that hustle that we talked about earlier. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us today and talking about your book. I'm excited for our listeners to get a hold of it. Thank you for the opportunity, Kimberly. Thank you. You can find Brent at brentcrow.com. You can also find him on Instagram as Brent A. Crow. I will link to this and where you can find his book in the show notes. If you'd like to connect beyond the podcast, you can find me over on Instagram. It's my favorite place to hang out and share the ups and downs of everyday life what we get right and what we get wrong too. You can find me at, at Kimberly Amici and you can find the podcast at, at Build Your Best Family. Remember, family culture is not about perfect, it's about purpose. <laughs>